Amen. Thank you, Melissa, and thank you for everybody who's helped us do this. Gosh, it's been a wild few months here not getting to do church as normal. Uh, So we are going to start back meeting next week uh, in person, so to speak. It's time for the body of Christ to assemble again. And so plan on being here at 10 o'clock. We'll give you more details on that. You may have some questions. I'll try to answer them uh, best I can. Uh, But the truth is, is we've never been this way before. Uh, So we're just kind of feeling our way through this. And we need a lot of grace. We need to give each other a lot of grace and a lot of love. And I think if we do that, everything's going to be good. So that's, that's my heart. Hey, this morning I want to talk to you about uh, one of the amazing virtues, I guess you could call it, that we have, which I think is going to be vital for us, and has always been vital, is faith. And it's something God's really been speaking to my heart about uh, in the recent days, about my faith. And I wanted to read, <clears throat> and I'm going to be reading this morning out of the uh, Amplified uh, Classic Edition, which is the original the original Amplified, which I think is much better than the updated one. It seems like when people start updating stuff, it, it's kind of like the sequel to a lot of movies. It just doesn't quite grab. But let me read this. Uh, Hebrews 12, not Hebrews 11, as you would suppose, but Hebrews 12, I'm going to read a 1 through 4. It's kind of wordy, but if you'll just, you'll see the words there. It says, Therefore then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, who have borne the testimony to the truth, Let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight, and that sin which so readily, deftly, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. And let us run with patient endurance and and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus who is the leader and the source of our faith, given the first incentive for our belief, and is also its finisher, bringing it to mature perfection. He, for the joy of attaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Just think of him who endured from sinners such grievous opposition and bitter hostility against himself. Reckon up and consider it all in comparison with your trials, so that you may not grow weary or exhausted, losing heart and relaxing and fainting in your minds. You have not yet struggled and fought agonizingly against sin, nor have you yet resisted and withstood to the point of pouring out your own blood." Boy, is that not an eye-opening scripture when you, when you think about that, when you put yourself and compare yourself to Jesus? Uh, wow, there's just no comparison, are they? And so thankful for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, i got a few points here. I've gathered all my favorite quotes of faith that I've had over the years that I've written down from here and there and this I've meditated on. First, I want to tell you that faith is what I call the drumbeat of heaven. Uh, What the writer of Hebrews was talking about here when he spoke about the great cloud of witnesses are those people that were mentioned in Hebrews 11. That's what 
Hebrews 12 is. He's, he's reflecting back on these amazing people uh, who walked the walk of faith. And we can learn so much about faith, not trying to necessarily uh, define faith, which is amazing to do, but looking at the lives of these people, these witnesses that have gone before us and who are now witnessing us and the life, their life and what their life looked like and what faith looked like uh, in their life. I wrote down a few things. I went and looked at many different translations on, on different verses in Hebrews 11 and kind of picked out the ones that really just spoke to me so much. Uh, faith moved Abel to choose a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Faith moved him. Faith translated Enoch from this life, and he was taken up in heaven. Faith translated him. Uh, faith opened Noah's heart to receive revelation and warning from God. If we ever needed one, that's one we need. We need our hearts open by faith. Faith motivated Abraham to obey God's call and leave the familiar. Faith motivated. And faith prompted, prompted Moses' parents uh, to hide him when he was a little, little baby child. So what really one of the things, just, just from that little glean, gleaning right there from Hebrews 11, the first thing we see about faith that's really amazing, faith is a very practical thing. Faith is not just some spiritual thing that's out there, but it's something that's practical. As you can see, just what I read, it's very practical in people's life. It very it much impacted them and what they chose and what they didn't chose, how they lived their life. And that's, that's really one of the most amazing things about faith. Faith... It's what separates the followers of Christ from other people. We're a people of faith. And, and so it's like we're listening to what I call that drumbeat of heaven. I love this little quote by uh, Henry David Thoreau. Y'all might remember him from high school or, or middle school, whenever. I, I sort of vaguely remember reading about this guy and being kind of fascinated with his thoughts. It says, If I seem to walk out of step with others... It is because I'm listening to another drumbeat. If I seem to walk out of step, the question to ask ourselves, are we walking, what, are we walking out of step? with the world? Are we walking out of step with popular opinion? Are we walking out of step with what everybody else is thinking? That's the question. The question is, what drumbeat are you listening to? Really, what heartbeat are you listening to? You see, faith is really us listening to the heartbeat of God, hearing that heartbeat, getting in rhythm with that heartbeat. And as we walk in that rhythm of that heartbeat, that's walking in faith. It's simple, simple as that, which really does mean you will, you will, you will walk out of step with others. You're not going to, if, if your hunger and desires to be like everybody else, you, that's not faith. That's, that's not faith. In fact, really, as, as for, for a believer, that's failure. The next thing I want to tell you, faith makes the impossible possible. Uh, it says in uh, one of my all-time favorite verses, Hebrews 11, 11, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength, ability, physical power to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age. She bore a child. She received something. Faith gave her something. She received the strength. Think about it. Grandma. Think about your 90-year-old grandma or your 90-year-old mama having a baby. It was miraculous. Old woman having a baby. 
By faith. Faith gave her that old woman an ability. It says, by faith, Sarah herself. You see, here was, here was the issue between Sarah and Abraham. It was going to take both of them. Okay, it wasn't just Abraham, the father of faith, that needed to believe and hear. There, there, Sarah had to get something to see this miracle of, to happen. And so sometimes we had to put our faith together with other people. It, it, like with someone praying, if you're, if you're asking for prayer for, the, for yourself or for, for a friend, or even if you're praying for somebody, there's an adjoining of faith where your faith and the person praying or vice versa, where there can be something birthed and be something released. See, that's the power of faith. Faith gives this ability. It gives this strength. So really, you know, God has given us all this impossible, impossible assignment. The impossible assignment of knowing an invisible God, having a relationship with an invisible God, and bringing his invisible kingdom into this earth. It's impossible. Faith is how we do it. Faith is how, just like Sarah was able to conceive that baby and have that baby as an old woman. Let me tell you, uh, persons who may be a little older uh, in years, or maybe you just feel like your time has passed, I'll tell you, faith does not say that. Your time has not passed in faith. Your time has not passed. You have a very bright future in front of you. You can birth something at this point in your life, regardless of your physical age. Regardless, if you will allow the faith of God to conceive and give you power and give you ability. The next thing I want to mention, that little, little, little phrase, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Faith, this is the, the thing about faith. This is the, fa- the thing that really just uh, challenges me, grinds on me at times, is faith is an awareness of someone, capital S, someone else in your life. That's what, the awareness of someone else. I have come up with a new name for God. I've named God. You know, Rahab named God. God named himself. Different people called, well, I've come up with this name for God. I've talked to him a little bit about it, and he seems to be accepting of it. Uh, The unseen, mystical someone. The unseen, mystical someone. That's, that's who God is to me many, many times in my life. He's unseen. He's mystical. And someone, who are you, God? What are you doing, God? What, what's happening, God? Would you please help me see you? Would you please help me engage with you? You, you seem so mystical. You seem so away. I don't really get it, Lord. I was telling Becky this morning, this beautiful song of this, uh, the prayer of blessing, you know, different countries. I was l- listening to one from Hawaii this week that was awesome. Uh, there was one from Malaysia I listened to. There's actually one from Canada. Uh, you know, it's just from all over the world. These people were singing this beautiful song. And, one, and at the end of it, it just got me. It just stung me where it says, the Lord is for you. And they were saying it over the Lord. And I'll be honest with you, there's times in my life when it doesn't feel like the Lord's for me. And I was just, I just, I was driving down the road listening on the way home. I got to my house. I just, but I just sat in the car because I didn't want to go in and, and in this broken state that I was in because I was at one of those moments where I felt, God, are you really for me? I can, I can look around myself and see things that would say, yes, God's for me. But at that moment, none of those things mattered. 
None of them mattered because it was something internal. It wasn't God's for me out here. I needed that assurance in my heart. So I prayed a little bit. I was going to go in there into the house and ask Becky to pray for me, uh, you know, because I was just feeling so broken and feeling this thing that, that God, although in my heart I know he is, but there was a part of me that didn't sense it and didn't feel it that moment. So I walk in. She's watching a movie, Fiddler on the Roof. And if you've ever watched that movie, you would understand what I'm saying here. It, it really humbled me when I began to sit down and started watching it with her. It's an amazing movie. If you've never watched it, you should, you should watch it. But God really is this unseen mystical someone. And faith really is an awareness of that someone. Faith picks up on that heartbeat. I don't know how it's mystical. I really don't know how all this works inwardly. I just know there's times where I do am very aware of that heartbeat. I feel that heartbeat. I sense that heartbeat. It's not just an emotion, but it's something spiritual that transcends all of my emotions and all of my feelings. Where I feel that heartbeat, I, I feel like I know that heartbeat. I feel like I've got that heartbeat. I love the scripture. I'm going to read to you uh, Galatians 5, 6, uh, from, also from the Amplified Classic Edition. It says, for, we, for if we are in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. But only faith activated and energized and expressed and working through love. That's that person. You see, the, the, the circumcision stuff for us would be any kind of rules, anything we feel like we've got to do to please God, anything we feel like we've got to you know, measure up. We've got to read the Bible a certain amount. We've got to pray a certain amount. We've got to do this. We've got to do that. And then somehow everything will be okay. None of that's true. And that's what really Paul was trying to tell those people. Listen, you know, the thing that really matters is your faith being energized, your faith working all activated by the love of God, by the love of this person, connecting with this person's heart. It's such a powerful thing. And I'll tell you something, because of, because of his heart, because of being able to connect with that, uh, you will have a desire for something better birthed in your heart. Something, and we'll call that hope. That's where hope comes from, is we've connected with this someone. We've connected with looking unto Jesus. There's this hope that's birthed in our heart. A hope is something, a, a desire, an expectation for something better in your life. And I'll tell you this, any, any part of your life that doesn't have hope is a part of your life that's very much in, under the influence of lies of the devil. Any part. You can look at any part of your life and determine if there's not hope there, then the devil's there. There's a lie there feeding you information and speaking to you. And you can always tell that about your hope. Your hope really is the thing that will let you know about the lies. And I'll tell you this. If you do have that, it means you're looking to the wrong heartbeat. You're looking to the wrong person. You're looking to find this hope in the wrong thing, the wrong person, the wrong situation. Because that's not where hope is found. Hope is found in the heart of God. It's in the drumbeat of God, the rhythm of his heart. That's where hope is. And it's birthed out of that. And faith brings our hope into reality. That's what happens. That's what faith does. It brings it. Faith gives us this assurance that as we follow that someone, maybe faltering, that's the way my life with God is. I feel like I'm faltering half the time. I'm stumbling Many times I feel like I stumble into what God has. 
I really do. It's, I'm stumbling into faith. They call it the walk of faith. I would say for me, it's been more of a stumble of faith. I stumble here, I stumble there. But somehow, somehow in my life, I can look back and see how God has brought me in. And so we get this assurance as we really connect with that heartbeat. There's an assurance that comes that as we follow him and obey him, our hopes and dreams will come true. And that's, that's really how it works. There's this assurance, and that keeps us going. See, I have this assurance from the Lord about tomorrow. I have an assurance that, I'm gonna, that our tomorrow is going to be better. It's going to be different, but it's going to be better. Faith always resists the status quo. I'm going to tell you that right now. Faith, you can't be in touch with the heartbeat of God and accept the status quo. It will, just, it's, it will resist it because you're walking out of step. Status quo is walking like everybody else. I think sometimes in Christianity we've tried to make everything so uniform, you know, where everybody has to look the same, be the same, do the same. Back in the earlier days, literally people would kind of dress the same. If there was some anointed leader or something, you'd, if, if it was a female, a lady, you'd see all the ladies slowly but surely dressing like her. I'm serious. It's insanity. If it was a man, you'd see all that. Oh, get a good anointed preacher. Back in the days, every preacher in the world would be copying him, copying his mannerisms, copying his inflections on his voice. You know? And see, but that's, that's futility. That's futility. And I think, you know, we've got to not be people of status quo. Faith always anticipates. It always is anticipating and it's always trying to drive us towards a future or move us towards a future, lead us towards a future. That's what it's doing. It's taking us somewhere. There's that hope out there. There's those dreams out there. And what faith does is it, it really encourages you. It really motivates. Like I said, it motivated uh, Abraham to leave. The, now, here's the thing. Faith reveals something about the future. Faith sees, right? Faith, this is an old saying from way back. Somebody said it. I don't know. But uh, love never fails. Faith sees and hope feels, right? That's, that's really what it is. Well, hope feels something. There's a feeling that God's going to do something for me. There's a feeling there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There's a feeling. There's a hope. That's a hope. What faith does, it pushes us towards that. See, faith doesn't see everything about the future, but it sees enough about the future to move you. The Bible says that Abraham, the father of faith, left his home not knowing where he was going. That's faith. Faith doesn't tell you everything. It doesn't tell you all the details. If it did, if it did, all the prophets in the world would have said, in 2020, we're going to have a virus worldwide that's going to shut everything down. They didn't see it. They, different prophets saw different things. Different people saw different things. Oh, we felt like there was a shift coming. That's all we saw. That's all I saw. There's some shift. Now, this is the shift. Wow. You see, that's faith. It doesn't show you everything. And so we really need to become those people. You know, here's the cool thing about faith, though. Faith doesn't wait till it gets all the information. Faith gets that little bit of information, the little bit that it has, a little bit that God's revealed, and begins to motivate you to start making decisions and choices today based on what you hope is saying, this is what God wants to do. 
and say, that's the kind of people we need to be. We can't, we, we don't, that's what all those people in Hebrews 11 did. They all, they all did something. They all moved on something. Noah built something, a boat, and there was no such thing as a boat. And there was no such thing as water, to, lakes to put boats on at that time. So faith gives us goals. It gives us purpose. It gives life meaning. It gives us destination. All those things come through our faith. Now, the cool thing about this, uh, this, the reason I love the Amplified Classic on Hebrews 12, it, let's put that back up there. It's just beautiful because it gives some, uh, some beautiful information here on things that can hinder our faith and things that we need to do to strengthen our faith or to allow our faith to be activated, to allow our faith to move us. Because you see, we all have faith. You wouldn't be born again if you didn't have. We all have this faith, but we're not all moved by faith. We're not all, all the time allowing faith to open our hearts to, give, to receive revelation and warnings from God. We're not always doing that. So what the writer of Hebrews is, he tells us all this beautiful story about faith, these men and women of faith. And then it says, oh, oh, by the way, here's some practical things you can do that will cause your faith to come alive. The first one he says is this, strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, every unnecessary weight. Wow. Come on. Every unnecessary weight. You need to ask yourself today, what weights, what burdens am I carrying that are unnecessary? Because those things are going to keep you out of the life of faith that God has for you. They're going to hinder you from coming in to the future that God has planned for you. And lots of times, those are not necessarily bad things. You know, they can be normal things like the cares of this life. That can keep you out as a burden. Well, the cares of this life... The deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things. Those are some common words from the Bible. All those things are weights. You, you, you can carry a weight of ministry, a burden for something that God didn't give you. And it's ill-fitting. And you need to discover the burden of the Lord and carry His burden, only His burden. So that's one thing we can all begin to do. And perhaps it's something really simple. Perhaps God allowed all this craziness to happen in the world to stop the world for a moment, to push the pause button and say, look what you're doing with your life. Look how you're running from here to there and you're frantically on the move constantly. And you're missing the very things. You're carrying all these things and doing all these things that I never really wanted mankind to do. Perhaps you need to take a step back. And look at your life, and as things get back to, quote, normal, we need to be careful that we don't go back to normal ourselves. We need to be careful that we don't be status quo people. Strip Number two, strip off and throw aside the sin which so readily, cleverly, deftly clings to and entangles us. That, you know, entangles us, you know, like getting your, your uh, feet caught in cords or something you trip on them or, or a piece of carpet that was loose you trip on it you know and that's the way sin is sin entangles us and I want to tell you something being a very good sinner that I've been in my life and I've sinned a lot in my life and so have you you know don't act like you have it I'm not dumb 
I know some really powerfully righteous-looking people, and I know them privately, and I know some of their sin, you know? You know, but you know what? God knows it and still chooses to use us. But I've discovered one thing about sin in my life is I can't overcome sin. And it really starts with what Paul said when he says, take every thought captive. That's really where it starts at, is every thought that you have, when you begin to challenge the thoughts that you're having in your head, when you begin to challenge those, see, you don't have to sin. You you really don't. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you have to sin. And so, I mean, I think a lot, and I get, you know, if you got, bad habits and it, it, this all could be a process for you because it really is a process and it will always be a process because there's always going to be temptations but you do have a choice in the matter you have a say in the matter and so I really want to encourage you today about the sin I don't really preach much about sin because usually it's negative but I'll tell you something we're in a time where we really do need to strip off and throw aside these so easy, like it could be criticism you know, you could just be a critical person. It could just be a negative person, you know, pessimistic person, see, and, and, and it caused you to sin. You know, or it could be a lot of other stuff. It could be a lot more, you know, terrible stuff. Uh, you, you know, if you have addictions, again, it may, it may be a process, but you can win that battle. You can. You can overcome sin. But it's going to start in your mind, in your thinking, and that's what the Scripture teaches as we begin to take authority over what we allow into our heads and begin to decide, am I going to have this thought? Am I going to have this fantasy? Do I really want that? Where is that going to take me? When you begin to ask those questions, then you can get, begin to do something about it. And see, the Holy Spirit's going to be there to help you, to strengthen you, and to give you the grace to overcome. And so I really want to encourage you these, these days and these hours that we're in is deal with your sin. Throw it aside. Get rid of it. Now, does that mean you're never going to sin again? No, you're probably going to sin again. You probably are, but you'll keep getting rid of it. You can keep getting rid of it. You can keep challenging it. I think that's important. The other one is run with patient endurance and, st- with, and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before you. The appointed course of the race. See, that's a, a thing we need also that's really vital, I think, the appointed course. Paul said it like this, I finish my course in 2 Timothy. I finish my course. In other words, Paul said I had a, he had a course, a personal course that God gave him. I didn't finish you know, Peter's course. I finished my course. And so that's going to be the key for us is, is to go after that course and run it with endurance. Hey, listen, this is, this is Christianity. Patient endurance. We're going to have to be persistent in, in our walk with God and doing what God's called us to be and fulfill it. There's going to be setbacks. There's going to be disappointments. There's going to be times where it feels like everything's going to collapse around you and all your dreams will be dashed for a season. That's why it's telling us that. And I think for some of us, it's time for us to get up again and get back on the race that God's called you to be on. You know, you can only go so long and be whining and complaining and, and, or, and live that grave-tending life. You know, tending the graves of your past failures, tending the graves of your disappointment, your, your ministry that failed, whatever it may be, your marriage that failed. Uh, maybe you failed with your children. All of that, you can only tend that grave for so long. 
And, and we're in a time where God is saying, and if you do that, that's not faith. That's really not faith because that's looking backwards. That's stuck. And, the, the, uh, you know, of course, the last thing he says, looking away from all that distract, all that will distract. Looking away from it. See, that's a choice. You know, it goes back to what I was saying in your mind. What do you let into your mind? You know, when, the, when you start having thoughts that are not good, you need to look away from it. And you need to be careful. You know, I've heard this for years. I never really liked it. But it's, it's really the truth about your, your ear gate, your eye gate, you know, what you're allowing yourself to look at, what you're allowing yourself to hear. See, all that's really important. It really is, and, and all of that will hinder your faith. It won't, it won't disqualify you. It won't destroy you, but if, if you go long enough with it, you're going to feel like you're destroyed. You're going to feel disqualified. You won't be in God's eyes, I promise you that, because he doesn't disqualify us because he's the one who qualified us. But we will certainly, you will certainly feel that way. You'll feel broken. And so I think that's really important. So I think one of the keys for, for us about this whole thing is, you know, ask yourself, what has God spoken to me about the future? What has God spoken to me personally? What has spoke about, spoken to me? What has, has spoken to you about your future? He, it's maybe only a little bitty thing. Maybe a little bitty thing. But that little bitty thing is what Abraham had. Abraham, get up and leave your family, and we'll take you to a new land. Oh, well, tell me where that land is. Give me a map. No, just get up and leave and do what I say. And if you'll do it, you'll come into your promises. That's what we call the walk of faith. So you really, we need to really begin to ask ourselves in a fresh way, in a new way, about what God has uh, spoken to us about our futures. And so I want to uh, end, and I want to remind you of what I believe God has told me about our future. And I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I have not given up on this. I still believe it, and I'm still going to do it. I'm still doing it. It's one, I feel like at the, that this year we entered a, in the Hebrew calendar, 5880, we entered a decade of speech. That's what that means. We were in the, pri- the prior Hebrew decade, the sevens, was the decade of seeing. My goodness, that worked. There are people out there that are, there's, there's so many prophetic people out there in the body of Christ, and that's incredible. There's many prophetic voices now. I mean, there's a sea of prophetic. In fact, there's so many, it becomes a problem for people like me who can't take but so much information in. But it's amazing, and that all happened in the last 10 years where God was beginning to release the seeing, and began, people began to learn how to be seers and see what God was saying and see what God was doing. And it's amazing. It really is amazing. But now we've moved into another decade, and we're at the very beginning, and we're learning just like we were learning back in those years how to see in the Spirit, how to connect in the Spirit, how to have dreams, how to have visions, how to receive revelation, all of that amazing stuff. And we're still learning. We'll always be learning. But it was emphasized then. But now we've moved in to this time of speech, power, and communication. That's the world God is going to bring the body of Christ into where our words carry weight and authority. Because we're speaking the word of the Lord. 
That's where God wants to take the body of Christ, where the body of Christ can begin to speak into situations. And my goodness, wouldn't it have been amazing if we could have spoke in to where we've been in the past few months instead of trying to scramble to catch up? You see, that's, all this is training for reigning. We're going to become those people. So, you know, I just think this is really going to be key for us is uh, Jesus saw what the Father was doing and did it. It's not good enough just to be a seer. I'm going to tell you that now. We need to become doers. Seers and doers. The Bible says in, in uh, Acts 19 that God did extraordinary and miracles, miracles through the hand of Paul. God did the miracles, but Paul's hands were at work. We need to go to work. And the way we begin that work is we begin with our mouths. We begin to speak the word of the Lord. We begin to speak the truth. And the power of God's going to become to come on our words, and we'll, our hands will soon follow. Our hands will soon follow. So that's what I believe the Lord wants us to. That's, that's where my faith is at, is that. That's what I'm going after. For the next 10 years of my life, I'm going to pursue speaking. I'm going to pursue declaring. I'm going to pursue communicating the heart of the Father. His heart into this world and shifting atmospheres and saving people and healing people and changing situations for people and letting people know the true love of God and the true power of God. And, it, and at the same time, I'm going to keep going after dreams, visions, and revelations because that's just something God's given me and I think He's given it to the body of Christ. So let me pray for you. God bless you. I look forward to actually seeing people more next week. But, Lord, I just bless those who've heard this. I just say, word of the Lord, go to them today and speak to hearts, speak to minds. God, we're believing that we have an amazing future, that our future is better than our past. And, God, we're going to begin to move in that direction. We're going to let go of what lies behind, and we're going to go into the direction that you have for us. And we're going to be a people of faith, we're going to be a people of hope, and we're going to be a people of love. That's who we are, Lord, because that's who you are. And we bless you. God bless you, and thank you for joining us today. Amen.